0: Welcome to PathMed Psychiatry for Primary Care Providers, a podcast for providers. This is your host, Nana Adabi. I am a psychiatric nurse practitioner in the peninsular region of Sutter Health. Our producers are Colleen Tabata and Ryan Bautista. We hope you enjoy today's presentation. Hello, listeners. Today, we have a very special guest from our own Palo Alto Psychiatry Department. Melissa Brigante is a board-certified psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner that has been working with the geriatric population for years. It is only natural that she joins us today to discuss the basics of prescribing psychotropic medications for the geriatric population. Melissa, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. My first question for you is What age is considered to be geriatric when it comes to psychiatry, and why must considerations be made?
1: So, funny thing is, um, that's actually a little ambiguous, the term, uh, or what specific age. Um, And it can be kind of sensitive. So, in most cases, uh, it's safe to say around 65 years old. Um, However, uh, it can be. you can fluctuate that number a little bit. So if somebody wants to refer an individual, an older adult who has multiple medical comorbidities um, and on multiple different type of medications, um, that would be appropriate to send them even if they're not 65.
0: Thank you. I mean, we see a variety of presentations and diagnosis across the lifespan. For the sake of time, we'll focus on depression. In the geriatric population, what are some of the most common signs and symptoms of depression to look out for? And what could be unique to just that population?
1: So it's really important to know that depression in older adults is not inevitable um, or just a normal part of the aging process. Um, While it's good to be aware that the older individuals are at higher risk for developing depression related to all the changes that one might experience in this stage of life, um, retirement, loss of loved ones, changing, um, functional statuses or declining health, um, can all be risk factors. Um, but depression and elderly may simply appear similar, um, to older, to older adults or adults in general, general, there may be feelings of sadness, hopelessness, helplessness, loss of interest in socializing or previously enjoyed hobbies, weight loss, appetite changes, sleeping disturbances, lack of motivation, loss of self-worth, slow movements or speech, um, and an increased use of alcohol or other substances. Um, But other signs and symptoms of depression that are not necessarily unique just to the geriatric population, but but should be known for um, to look out carefully for are complaints or noticed memory changes, um, sudden rapid changes. Uh, neglecting personal care needs, like not taking their medications, skipping meals, or not keeping up with personal hygiene. Um, It's also important to know that within this population, they may not complain of of feeling depressed or having a depressed mood or low mood at all, but they might be more focused on physical complaints, like for example, um, arthritis pain or worsening headaches, um, but no other changes in their life. Um, uh, And if this sounds familiar, Um, with regards to one of your patients, and they have other depression symptoms, but without the complaints of low mood, it'd be good to start treatment for them.
0: Wow. Thank you, Melissa. Because I think there's this perception that when people get older, we tend to expect them to, you know, some of these symptoms of depression that you shared, we expect it to be normal within that age range, when in fact, it could be signs of depression making it very easy to miss these signs and symptoms are there specific tools for this population and any tips on how to conduct an assessment Um, that's a good question so
1: the most common tool that we use in all populations is the phq9 the patient health questionnaire Um, but there is one specific um, the gds geriatric depression scale it it's widely used but maybe not widely for everyone else <laughs> um but it, it's a very good tool and it comes in a long form and a short form um simple yes or no questions uh, in that it so whereas the phq9 is asking questions and asking you to refer back to 14 days and you know how often those things occur um the gds is just more yes or no to and kind of get to the point um some, some tips I recommend when assessing this population um, is to make sure that they're in an environment, whether that be in-person or virtually, um, now in this new world, more visual appointments, um, that they're physically and mentally able to participate in the exam. So uh, one, one really important thing to note is, can they hear you? So uh, mm-hmm. even if they're in person, they still might not be able to hear you. Um, and if they're hearing you, are they hearing everything? Mm. Um, if you're seeing them over telehealth and there's a TV blaring behind them, um, it's important to ask them to turn it off uh, mm-hmm. so that they can focus. Um, um, and then if they're in the office and possibly brought a loved one or a friend, they might not feel comfortable ask, uh, talking about these things. Yeah. So it, it might be good to reiterate that, you know, they can be seen for this piece by themselves or, um, if that's what they feel more comfortable.
0: Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So many things to consider now since the beginning of the pandemic and the transition to telehealth, hybrid care, and taking into consideration if they're home, what's the environment like to conduct these assessments? So thank you for touching on that as well. Now that we know what to look out for when it comes to depression symptoms in this population, what are the basics of starting psychotropic medications? Any baseline labs? Um, So
1: for labs, it would be good to rule out organic causes for depression, like possible infections, endocrine diseases, um, maybe a vitamin deficiency like B12 or folic acid. Um, Those are just some things to consider. So, and as well with geriatrics, um, particularly some of the medications, like our first line appropriate medications can cause sodium level changes. So to get a baseline um, sodium level to make sure that they don't already have low sodium mm-hmm. um, would be good. Uh, so um, it's also really, really important to note with this particular population that there's typically multiple medications and multiple different drug classifications of medications um, on board. And so when considering any meds, looking at those drug-to-drug interactions, um, and that some of the meds itself that they might be already on can cause depression so mm-hmm. like um for example for those like steroids or interferon or um methyl dopa and some of the other that have been associated with depressed moods
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so what class of medications do you recommend then uh, we start for depression and how do they work um
1: so the most common medication classification that we recommend for this um, population would be SSRIs. It's not the only one, but, it, but it's, a, it's a good go-to. Um, and in a simplified version, how SSRIs work um, is, is they allow the body to have more serotonin access, um, serotonin is in the feel-good chemical <laughs> available to us. So they so the medication blocks the transporter proteins and it inadvertently increases the serotonin levels in the brain. Um, and it is important to review the, the side effect profile of the different SSRIs and select one with the lowest risk of the drug drug interactions that they might already have. Like, For example, um, good ones to consider, the SSRIs are sertraline, escitalopram, or cetylopram. Um, and for the geriatric population, particularly, those are great medications as um, they have the best safety profile, which means like they have the lowest potential for drug-to-drug interactions, um, while, whereas fluoxetine, another SSRI, is typically not recommended um, because of its very long half-life and prolonged side effects.
0: Thank you. I am learning a lot here, Melissa. And, you know, I, you know, both of us, were in psychiatry and you have this, you know, subspecialty of working with the geriatric population. And I'm learning a lot because I do like Prozac, you know, especially for my folks with OCD. And so these are things that I may not think of if I ever encountered or had the opportunity to work with a geriatric patient that has OCD. I would, of course, look at my literature but something that um, requires special consideration
1: when it yeah. comes to this
0: population. But,
1: and it doesn't mean necessarily like it, it it has to be taken off the table or taken and removed from the toolbox. It just wouldn't necessarily be the first line. Mm-hmm. But if they've been on it forever or, or they've had good um, reactions to it in the past, it could be considered mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. well. So I think sometimes we we hear the not recommended, and it, it, we remove it completely. <laughs> but it, it's important to not have it be first line if they've never tried it.
0: Got it. Hey, thank you. Um, so what do we need to watch out for once these medications are started? How do we assess benefits, adverse events, and the need to adjust the dosages?
1: Um, great question. So, um, if, if, so if we said sertraline, if we picked that one, for example, um, or any of the other medications discussed, it's important to not only remember the famous start low, go slow, <laughs> um, but the typical starting dose for this population is half of the typical starting dose for the younger adults. Um, so for example, um, starting sertraline, uh, it, the starting dose is 25 milligrams. Um, you would initiate it at 12.5, so half of that 12, 25. And you would have that them take it for about one to two weeks and then go from there. You don't have to have them on it at twelve point five for a month, um, but it's just so that they can have it, get it used to it in their system, assess for any side effects that might occur, which would be the normal side effects that that other people might occur: GI headache, um, and it, it the one of the things that we know is that while some older adults respond at like a lower therapeutic range, um, that once you got to 25, for example, even though the book tells us that that wouldn't be the therapeutic range, Mm -hmm. they might respond to that. And that's okay. We don't have to get to the higher level just because we're told that the therapeutic range is X, Y, Z. Um, that if they're responding at 25 and they're saying things are better, um, motivations approved, for example, or or taking care of themselves um, is better, then we can we can have it stay there. The counterpart to that is that um, while most or some respond to lower therapeutic ranges, we also are very well aware that they might need higher ranges in some cases than um, than the typical average adult. So so if they don't respond to that lower range, um, increase it, <laughs> increase mm-hmm. it to the to a higher range and that's okay.
0: Mm hmm. mm -hmm. Thank you, Melissa. And, you know, the term, you know, the term of the phrase start low and go slow is something that I live by when it comes to prescribing psychotropic medications, because we do know, especially when it comes to um, SSRIs, antidepressants, it can take weeks for us to see um, the impact of these medications. And sometimes we have to make sure that we are educating our our patients, including geriatric patients, that, you know, we go slow for a reason. We have to wait and see. You may respond to this lower dose. We just have not maybe given it enough time just yet. Um, And I think it's something that we have to constantly um, remind folks about. um, And the reason why we start low, go slow, because in two Three, four, six weeks—you may start to feel so much better on that lower dose. Right.
1: I also apologize in advance to them. That's <laughs> part of my little like phrases that I say. That you know, while they are seeing me and they they want something faster, um, that these medications can be very effective, and and to bear with me um, mm. and, and through the process of four to six weeks, and um, but and. I liken it to exercise, that mm-hmm. if you exercise daily, um, though you might sweat and have, you know, sore muscles, if you stick to it, you're going to feel better. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. same with, with SSRIs, so there might be some side effects in the beginning, there might be a headache or, or GI upset, but, um, but if you stick with it, usually mm-hmm. those subside and you feel better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Melissa, do you have any other recommendations or comments about prescribing psychotropic medications for the geriatric population? Um, so I,
1: I think it's important to be patient with this population um, as with all everyone, but, but I don't know, special accommodations um, for this particular population. Uh, communication may be hard, hearing difficulties, voice changes. Um, but allowing for questions to be asked, asked even if even if you already mentioned it, just like sometimes they couldn't hear you in the first place, so them asking, um, it's just give allowing that time to be heard for them, um, and then of course giving them the responses that they that they're asking for. Um, there might be time restraints, um, so some of my patients would love to talk to me longer than the available appointment time. Um, mm-hmm. So what I recommend for them is either to make another appointment or to, to write down their questions in advance or, or send me a my health message online. Um, I, I utilize the after visit summary as well mm-hmm. to kind of um, hopefully hit points of, of what their questions might be um, to kind of ease the worry or the, the fear um, regarding the meds. And so just utilizing the tools that we have available to us.
0: Wow. This has been a very informative session, Melissa. Thank you so much for taking the time and sharing your knowledge with us. Do you have any resources or websites you recommend for clinicians while caring for this population? Um, there
1: are a couple. So um, NIH has uh, the Institute for Aging. Uh, it's a great um, Resource opportunity. Um, there's uh, if you want to learn more about the GDS, the ger- uh, Geriatric Depression Scale. Um, there's resources regarding that too that we we can provide. And of course, um, using the e-consult and just touching base with us um, within Pam. To if you have a, a tricky case or you have somebody that you're wondering. Um, Should more be done with our meds, should less be done with our meds, anything, um, it'd be good to reach out to us. We're, We're always happy to help.
0: Thank you so much, Melissa. We hope to have you back soon to explore other classes of medication for the geriatric population. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much to our guests this week, and I hope you will join us again soon for another episode of PathMed Psychiatry for Primary Care Providers a podcast for providers. If there are any topics you would like us to consider, please email me, your host, Nana Adebi. Thank you.